Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. So I'm going to share with you some of the things that the Lord has been speaking to me over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to start with a story about this book called Run With The Horses that I picked up at the beginning of March. And um, I was in a bookstore, the Witz bookstore, the thrift store in, on Louis Boerta. And we were planning for Mila's 13th birthday. And we were buying those really old books that you can get for five rand because the girls wanted to do like origami crafts with the pages from inside the old books. And so we were piling together this box of old five rand books And on the couch, in the middle of the stack of discarded books, this one was waiting for me. It was waiting to be found. And I picked it up and I just knew Holy Spirit wanted me to have this book. And I want to encourage you that every day you can see and hear the Lord in everything or you can miss him in anything And there are trapdoors of encounter with his voice, what he's saying and what he's showing you every day. And that was a story of him showing me, hello, there's things I want to show you. So I've been reading through Run With Horses and it has been an incredible voice of the Lord to my heart through this book. And I'm going to read some excerpts to you this afternoon just to to show you the journey that I've been on. But the story of Run With Horses um, is the story of Jeremiah from the Bible. And The story of Jeremiah begins with the Lord asking Jeremiah this question. Jeremiah, what do you see? So I've titled this message this afternoon, Do You See What I See? I feel that that is what the Lord is asking us this afternoon. Do you see what I see? So the Lord says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see a rod. He looks up and he says, I see a rod of almond. And the Lord says to him, good, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, the interesting thing is that the word in Hebrew for almond and watching is a homonym. They sound the same. So almond and watching sounds the same. And so it's this play on words with the Lord. He's like, I am watching as you see the almond branch. May it remind you that I am watching to perform my word. And The almond tree is one of the first trees in um, Palestine to actually flower in the spring. So it's still cold and wintry all over the ground. And the almond sends out those first beautiful blossoms as a sign of spring. And so every season when those blossoms would arrive on the almond tree, Jeremiah would remember the Lord is watching over his work to perform it. And I want to say we need to ask ourselves, do we see what the, Lord is, what the Lord is seeing? Without elevating our view to the way God sees our country, our situations, our lives, we can get distracted by the negativity, the difficulty. We get caught up in the busy work. And it's almost as if the atmosphere around us becomes like a fog that seeps into our heart and our thoughts and our emotions, and it begins to blur the kingdom vision that we as sons and daughters are created to carry. We are created to live from 
heavenly places. We are created to see God's view of things. We are created to carry heaven's perspective. But if we allow the temperature of what's happening around us to determine, it becomes like a fog and it actually invades our thoughts and our mind. And so this afternoon is really just an encouragement to become aware of that and to say, actually, Lord, I want your kingdom perspective. I want to see what you're doing and I want my attention to fully be on what is on your heart and what you are initiating around me. Do you see what I see? On Wednesday evening, we prayed as a community. It was just such a beautiful hour of prayer for our country. And I walked into the prayer meeting like, yo, Lord, there is a big list of challenges. You know, you listen to the radio in the afternoon, you hear the news, you come with this list of huge impossibilities. And I walked out an hour later, buoyant, optimistic, and full of hope that my God is much bigger than the problems that we face. And that even in the face of impossibilities, he is a God of hope. He is a God that brings life and change and justice and kindness and goodness. And I walked out in a completely different space. And I thought that is a great example of the fog of everything around me having blurred my heart, my emotions and my thinking and walking out with a heavenly perspective. I fell in love with South Africa again because the Lord loves South Africa. And I felt so hopeful that he has a plan and a good destiny for our country. And on Monday evening, Sean and Neen actually shared from Isaiah 40, and I'm going to quickly read from that. Um, Isaiah 40 says this. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The Lord meets us in our valley of feeling overwhelmed. He knows we get tired, we get overwhelmed, we get distracted, we get weary by what life brings us. He knows that. And he meets us in that valley and he's like, I don't get hopeless. I don't get disappointed. I don't get tired. Let me give you my perspective. And in that place of waiting with the Lord, we get the eyes of eagles. And suddenly we soar on wings and we're able to have a heavenly perspective. Isn't that beautiful? And that word hope, I went and looked up what hope means. It's the expectation of good. If we are not expecting good, we are not expecting Jesus. He's not in our future if we're not expecting good because he is goodness. And so hope is an expectation of good and a feeling of trust. And at the end of the day, guys, for me, it always comes down to that. Where is my trust? Do I trust that God is who he says he is? Do I trust? So he meets us in our valley and he changes our perspective there. And he's like, let me give you wings like eagles. And so if you're feeling tired and disillusioned and disappointed and weary and a little lost this, this afternoon, that's where he's going to meet you because he's not feeling that way. He's feeling optimistic. <laughs> he won the victory on the cross 
2,000 years ago, and he's going to see his kingdom advancing. It is not a shrinking kingdom. It is an advancing kingdom, and he's looking for us to partner with him in that. And I'm trusting this afternoon that you'll walk away with feeling like a little bit like an eagle, a little bit above what the things that have been so burdensome and heavy during the week. So there's a story in the scriptures. You can show that first slide. There's a story in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit's been reminding me of these last weeks. And um, it's a favorite Sunday school Bible story. But simple Bible stories are always the best, and they've always got so much profound truth in them. So I'm going to share today a story of one man whose perspective of the unseen, whose perspective of God was so huge that the obstacle he faced that day looked tiny. What an example to us of the reality of how great our God is that we can carry. So this man is David, and he faced a nine-foot Goliath on that battlefield many years ago. Okay, so this is the Valley of Elah, and on this side was, well, I don't know which side actually, but there was one side where the Philistines were positioned, and the other side where the Israelites were positioned. And that is where I want to take you this afternoon, to the story of David and Goliath on this dusty plain in Israel, the Valley of Elah. So let's go to the Philistine camp, okay? Um, I'm reading from 1 Samuel, the story of David and Goliath. Um, the Philistine camp, they have this nine-foot champion, and he comes out on a daily basis, and he taunts the Israelites. Let's read what he says to them. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. That taunt is very, very interesting. Number one, he's like, are you really the servants of Saul? In other words, are you really the children of God? Are you really the Israelites? Are you really the ones that God delivered from Egypt by his miraculous hand, brought into that land of Canaan, fighting in Jericho, see, seeing cities flattened, seeing um, victory after victory after victory. Are you really those people? Because you don't look like them today. And that taunt on their identity, are you really the children of God, is exactly where intimidation and fear and the taunt of the accuser comes at us. Are you really the sons and daughters of God? Because have you forgotten your history? Have you forgotten the wonders of our God, the greatness of our God? So the one taunt was on identity. The other one was on authority. If you win, <laughs> I'll become your servant. But if I win, you'll become mine. Where, where are we, where's the authority going to lie? And so much of the taunt that comes to us, is, is it feels as if the authority is already in the enemy camp. The authority was won on the cross 2,000 years ago, and we must never diminish the victory that Jesus won. It says at the end of Matthew, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go and share with the world the good news 
that I love them, that I'm interested in their lives, that I have come to save and heal and bring the kingdom of hope and joy and possibility into their circumstances. I've come to drive out the evil and to bring the goodness of the kingdom. All authority was given to him. But on that battlefield that day, this question of authority was key. And do you know what? The, the Israelites had already given their authority over to the Philistines, even though the battle had not even been fought yet. Why? Let's look at verse 11. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were so dismayed and terrified that they actually were completely immobilized. And that's what happens is they became so completely convinced that they could never win that war. They became so completely convinced because for 40 days, that accuser had come out, that bully had come out and said to each one of them that same taunt. And they had allowed the voice of Goliath to rattle around in their heads and hearts for 40 days until they'd believed that they actually could not win that battle anymore. They were already defeated at this moment. They'd lost the ability to believe that they were the sons of God, that they were the children of God, and they'd lost the ability to believe that God is who he has always been, their victor, the one who gave them deliverance and salvation time after time, but they'd lost that ability. And that's what happened, guys, when we turn up the volume of what's happening around us in the world and we lower the volume of our father's voice we lower our sights on the reality of the father and jesus and heaven and we turn up the sound on on the world i want to read this from run with horses uninstructed by god's vision his voice thoughts his heart we lose the sense of proportion and are incapacitated for living in open and adventurous response to whatever comes to us throughout the day. If we forget that the newspapers are footnotes to scripture and not the other way around, we will finally be afraid to get out of bed in the morning. Isn't that so true? Every day will and does have challenges. For sure, there is no easy, smooth road. But we, as sons and daughters, are supposed to have an adventurous response. Romans 8 says, we come to the Father with open hearts and say, what is next, Papa? But when all the voices of intimidation and fear and disappointment and hurt become the loudest voice rattling around in our head, we cannot respond expectantly. And we start to believe we're not who he says we are, and he's not who he says he is. If we're going to live as God's children, alive to all that God is doing, open and responsive to him, we need to turn up our volume for his voice, turn our sight and our vision towards heaven again. And so in the story, enter David. Is this my water? Thank you. What I love about David is that he was the most unlikely candidate, okay? This was not the first time that he was looked, overlooked when Jesse was called to bring all his sons to Samuel for the anointing. His father didn't even call him because he was like, oh, that's the youngest, it's just David. This is the second time he's not the biggest, he's the youngest, he's not the strongest, he's not the bravest, he is not a qualified fighter. He is completely 
unheroic. And I love that because our ability to bring heaven to earth is not um, based on how talented we are, how gifted we are, our strength, our stamina, how good looking we are. When other people look at us and think, them, that's good. That's what they thought about David. But we are the ones, the, the ordinary, the completely ordinary, that get, get to bring the kingdom of heaven. No one is disqualified. No one. Doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter if you think you are the lowest of the low. Doesn't matter what you've done. As a child of God, you have the ability, the license, the authority to bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Just in the chapter before, it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Time after time after time, we can make a list of what disqualifies us from our calling. And probably a realistic list. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. And they're probably quite accurate statements. But that is not your new creation reality. That's not how the Lord defines you. He's like, no, you're my son. I've given you the authority. If that's your stumbling block, don't worry. We'll get over that. So this ordinary man, David, comes onto the scene. And I want you to look at David's response quickly. Verse 34 to 37 David says to, to Saul, okay, first of all, I just want to point out that before we get to this, there's a, a squabble between him and his siblings, which is hilarious. And David is like, what do I get if I fight the giant? Like, what is Saul giving? Oh, I get tax free and I get wealth and I get to marry his daughter. Okay, cool. I just want to show you that because he is so completely human. He squabbles with his siblings and he wants stuff that's going to benefit him. It just shows us how completely ordinary he is. Our hearts, you know, our natural things that we, that we do don't disqualify us. So verse 34, David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. There were hours and hours and hours of ordinary everyday moments that shaped David to become the giant killer that he became that day on the battlefield. I want to read you this quote. Nobody wants to show you the hours and hours of becoming. They'd rather show you the highlight of what they've become. Here I am, David, the giant slayer. But hours and days before that, he was becoming the giant slayer. I want you to elevate your ordinary life, guys. This circumstance that you're in, this business that you're in, your job right now, your kids right now, the challenges you face right now, the relational stuff, this is the opportunity to let the bigness of God manifest in your life. We need to expect, we need to train our hearts to expect heaven to break out every day, every single day. And those are the things that actually form us and shape us for those moments where people are like, wow, did you do that? Yeah, but you didn't see the five years of preparation for that moment. Have an honor for the sacredness of every day. Do not overlook where you are with your kids. Do not overlook where you are in your business. That is where the bigness of God, the goodness of God, his provision. In our country right now, we're here for such a time as this, to see what the Lord is going to do here. Um, 
Don't get stuck in what you believe in your head. Jesus walked out kingdom intimacy in real life, doing, praying, healing, encouraging people every day. Every day has a way of preparing you for what he has ahead. We look at people around us and we go, yeah, it would be so nice to be them. But you can be Jesus. You can be heaven on earth today. Just this week, I was challenging myself, like, where could I speak? Where could I actually... My, my heart's desire is to make God real. Where can I do that? And there were two instances where I asked the Lord, Lord, give me a prophetic word for someone. And in the one instance, I didn't give it. And in the other, I did. And this person who had like quite a hard experience, uh, exterior responded. I, I was like, just kept hugging me. <laughs> I was shocked because I was like, it wasn't even that profound. But what happened was that the reality of God came to her and said, I see you person. I see you beautiful woman. And he, she suddenly became aware that like the Lord actually loves her. So the father is passionate about humanity. He is passionate about people. He is interested in the details of their life. And we get to bring the beauty and the kindness, the goodness, the healing, the hope into those situations. Not when we all go on an outreach in three months time, which would be great and fun, but tomorrow. So elevate your ordinary day. Um, don't disqualify yourself because you're just where you are right now. And I just want to encourage you, Psalm 19 and Psalm 23 are the Psalms that David wrote um, as a young boy. And it gives us an insight into the heart of a giant killer. So I would encourage you to just go and meditate on them. But look at this, Psalm 19. God's splendor is a tale that is told. His testament is written in the stars. Space itself speaks his story every day through the marvels of the heavens. His truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing his skill in creation's craftsmanship. I just imagine David lying on the hills of Bethlehem, looking up onto the sky. He could miss God in everything, but he chooses to see God in anything. And he's like, oh, the glory of God is revealed in the sky and the bigness of God becomes his reality. His imagination gets wrapped up in what God is doing, who God is just in the hills of Bethlehem. And I imagine him with the bear and the lion, like the tales from Deuteronomy and the tales of the scriptures, because Psalm 19 also says he's like desperate for the word of God. So he's meditating on these stories of Israel's history. Maybe he'd heard of Samson who wrestled a lion with his bare hands. So as these lions and bears come, he's like, maybe he's going to test himself. Like, is he a bit like Moses? You know, is he a little bit like Samson? He's, he's, he's testing the reality of God in his everyday life. And that's what we need to learn to do. Not wait for the big breakthrough, but actually test the bigness of God and the authority that we carry as sons and daughters just in our ordinary everyday life. Can you just put that quote up? Um, I want, I want to just put this into your mind. It's a very big concept, but imagination is the birthplace of great faith, okay? So worry is actually engaging with your imagination. Worry is a misuse of the imagination. When we worry, we are imagining scenarios of fear, distraction, disappointment. You know, those conversations that go over and over in your head that you know you have to have tomorrow. It's your imagination, but what if we began to use our imagination to actually believe that maybe something good could happen, that maybe God could break through, that maybe something could change, that maybe we heard his voice and what we're doing is going to bear fruit, that maybe it's going to be good. So I love this quote from Sean Bowles. It's just something I want to plant in your heart. Imagination is the birthplace of great faith. 
I am asking the Lord to teach me how to train my mind to actually imagine that it could be good. Imagine that healing is going to increase. Imagine that we're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Imagine that his provision is going to break through. Okay? Albert Einstein says, how can we go into new things if we can only imagine what currently exists? It's just a challenge. <laughs> Do you see what I see? So I'm, going to, I'm, I'm almost coming to an end, but I love this little cameo in the story, and I think it's very important for us as a, as a community. But um, Dave, Saul wants to put his armor onto David. Obviously, it's his heart. Like, put your, my armor on, you're going to go fight this, this giant. And he puts it on and it doesn't fit. And he ends up taking five stones and a slingshot. And that's how he defeats the giant. And I just want to say that there isn't a formula for how God, how the kingdom of earth is going to come through our lives. We are each originals and we're not meant to use someone else's formula for this battle. He's made us originals. We're meant to hear his voice. We're meant to take what is in our hands and use what we have, just our family, just this little community, just this house, just, just the five stones. That's what he wants to use. And I want to especially encourage you as we journey as a community and a family. In the first days, August last year, Rob Forbes, Rob Forbes prophesied over this community that we are on, on the forefront. We're on the cusp of what the Lord is doing on the earth today. But we mustn't look around and try and say, Yo, they're doing it well, let's do that. Or those guys have got a successful thing, so let's do that. And we've so intentionally not done because someone else is. We've intentionally, and it's kind of awkward because sometimes you're like, how's that going to roll? We're intentionally letting the Lord do something original, responding to the way that he is working through us. Let's continue to do that. Someone else's armor is not going to fit on you. This is a battle that we, each individually and together, get to fight to see God's kingdom break through. So the kingdom of heaven, I'm not going to carry on with the story. You know what happens. He defeats the giant. And the kingdom of heaven won that day. Why? Because his heart was, David's heart was so fully convinced that God is mighty, that God is good. He was so convinced of his greatness. He was so convinced that he is so much bigger than anything that we face. He was so convinced on the, of the invisible, unseen world. And my heart is, that us as a community, that all of us would be Davids, that we would be so convinced of the bigness, the might, the goodness of God, so convinced that he loves this planet so much and he, it is the year of the Lord's favor, that he wants to love on people, bring hope and restoration and gladness and joy. I, I believe that there's a unique expression of the kingdom of God in our lives through business, social justice, through this church community, through our families, and we're going to see that kingdom advance. And our position is just, Lord, I want to see what you see. Focus on what is unseen, not what is seen, because those things are eternal. But I want to be real today, and I'm going to show you a little video that we're in community for a special reason and that is that we get to fight for each other. And very, very often, many weeks, most weeks, most days, we get overwhelmed by the little things that come at us like fear and bad news and disappointment and hurt and fatigue and fear 
And they come at us quite relentlessly. And often we feel like we're losing that battle, that our perspective is getting foggy, that our perspective is not clear of what the Lord is doing. But I want, I want to show you this. And I, there's no kitties here because it's a little violent for this poor lion. But I want to show you what community is. Community is when you have lost your vision and your perspective of what heaven is doing and saying what is on the Father's heart, when you've got overwhelmed by that stuff that life is throwing at you, that the headlines are throwing at you, etc., you are meant to be in family. You're meant to be in a community and in friendship that'll give you a different view, that'll help you to fight your battles. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca today.